a story on the last episode. But before we get into that, I would like to let you all know to remember they are watching. This is fiction. They are watching. And we've got some really interesting comparisons and some visions and, and stories about hell. And the comparisons are pretty vivid and pretty real. And then at the end of it, after we go through a little walk, there's a, another story about the hope. The hope of not having to go there. And then we actually have a story uh, about how it all relates to the Bible how it's already there in the Bible. And I know this is kind of like, you know, hey, we're into conspiracy theory type stuff, sci-fi and whatnot. But God has moved me that uh, this is this is sci-fi, but for real. I don't know if you've seen that movie, Fright Night. This is Fright Night for real. And before we begin, I just would like to say that God gave us free will. Jesus, please bless me on this podcast on all of them you know i'm trying to save your children and my human species uh, brothers and sisters and they just need to hear this message and it's a good message you know what take it for what it's worth god's greatest gift was free will and love of him loving us but hey this is going through a trip through hell and it's really interesting i'll let them tell their stories and then we can talk about it uh, just so you know there is hope there is hope to survive what's coming. Evil does not win in the end. And the love of God, the love of Jesus, permeates this world. And it really is coming true, what's happened with all these things in the book of Revelation. So, again, this is, you know, for those people that are into sci-fi and want to actually kind of picture what's going on, if you truly believe there's a hell this will probably scare you and you know you'll you'll be like yeah i know and for those people that don't know this will probably make you think use your critical thinking ask god to show you personally i'll let these people tell their story and the stories and then i'll break it down a little bit with you afterwards i believe it was a friday i was at home and we are no fridays when fridays come it's party time we go get dressed, we're getting ready to go out, party, hang out with the friends. But that Friday just seemed a little different. That Friday was, was just something about that Friday. I just didn't feel like going out. I didn't want to go out. I felt that if I was going to go out that night, I was not going to come back home. It was very, very heavy in me. A fear came over me. A fear I never felt before. My, you know, there goes friends knocking on the door. Bum, 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 Mario. Come outside, let's go. Let's party. I wouldn't I couldn't answer the door. I couldn't speak. Something had my mouth shut. Something had me held down that there was no way I was gonna answer the door. And the more they knocked on the door, the more heavier I felt I was not gonna come home. I was just not gonna come back home no more. And I started getting scared. So maybe half an hour, an hour later, finally my starter friends stopped. They finally got the hint. I'm not coming out or I was in there. They couldn't understand either what was going on. But I stood home. I laid in my couch. That's the way I laid on my couch on my back. I fell asleep. I went to a deep sleep. When I fell asleep, I remember closing my eyes, and I remember it was about 9 o'clock that night. I opened my eyes. As I fell asleep, I opened my eyes again. That quick, 
just as it's almost like a blink close open and when i opened my eyes what i noticed was that my face was stuck in the ceiling my face was literally stuck up in the ceiling so i'm trying to catch myself here questioning myself what was going on here and as i look sideways i can see my body laying in the couch so I'm questioning myself, how come I can see my body? So I guess everybody knows how a balloon is, birthday balloons and whatnot. It has the healing in there and you grab it with the string and you let it go and it bounces up and down in the ceiling. Well, it was my soul was almost that way. I pushed myself down, grab my hand on the wall and I push myself down and I'll come back up to the wall and bounce my face. I did that two times. The third time when I'm trying to push myself down, I can see my body again. And it was like, it was just like in a peaceful, restful manner. So I start spinning around the ceiling, slowly. Start going around in circles. And I'm going a little faster and faster. You know, there's nothing in the ceiling. So I'm trying to get a hold on to something, grab on to something. And I just can't get a hold of anything and I'm going faster and faster and faster and as the fastest I'm going now I'm starting to hear these wicked laughs like demons they're laughing I can hear them clearly going ee, just wicked as I'm going faster I don't know if you guys have ever seen movies about a time machine I just when the time machine disappears and it comes back well as I was going faster that's what I heard and I find myself in this big, big, dark place. Dark, dark. There was trees, dead trees. The ground, the sand was like gray, dirty gray. Whatever was behind me, I was able to see these things because in there, there was a time where there's, it's so pitch black, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. It's so dark in there, you can't see anything. But whatever was behind me, I couldn't look back. But I could see in front of me, everything was dead, trees, and it was just dry. There's no love, there's nothing, just dead. And I'm moving forward slowly. And I remember, not remember, but what I seen in my spirit when I was out of my body. There was five demons that were around me. And they were covered in black, almost like witches and warlocks covered themselves. Some of them were different. Some of them have face of like rats. Some look like bats. You guys see these movies, these Hollywood movies, that the demons, how demons, they describe demons. See, Hollywood is based on the Antichrist. Witches and warlocks work for Hollywood. So they see demons. It's why they come out with these movies because that's exactly how they look. So they make them as, 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 as a mask and, and models and, and, and they make movies like that. That's exactly how demons look. But these things are more 10 times stronger, 10 times bigger. Some of them have yellow eyes, green eyes, red light, uh, eyes. Not beautiful little green, red light like Christmas lights. 
These eyes were evil, wicked. You can feel the hate, how they look at you. You can sense that hate. That hate is so overwhelming that not even a human being in this earth has that, much, that, that kind of hate. It will be overwhelming for us. It, it would automatically explode your heart with such an um, ugly, overwhelming hate. As I'm going forward, something caught my attention. My arms were straight out. And another thing that caught my attention was that I wasn't walking. I was gliding. And as I'm gliding, I have these chains on me. Chain with the ball on the end. They were so heavy, I wanted to put my hands down, but I just couldn't. I was taking that pain. And I remember seeing these demons, and I kept saying, where, where am I? Let me go. They wouldn't say nothing to me, but they'll look at me, and they'll laugh. They were giggling. That's all that we did. And I can see them. They had real long, long fingernails, real powerful, sharp nails, like razors. But they wouldn't respond to me. They were just giggling at me, laughing at me. So as I'm moving forward, I start seeing this big, big black tunnel. This tunnel was huge, and I can hear the sound of this tunnel. And I'm starting to enter this tunnel, and my hands are so over heavy. I, I need to put them down, and I'm in pain already. I just can't, but I'm still gliding in, into this tunnel. As I'm beginning to go into the tunnel, halfway into this tunnel, this terrible smell starts to come out of this tunnel. A smell that I wanted to die. This smell was, was just horrible, horrible. If this smell was on the earth, we would die because that's how terrible this smell is. There's no air in there. There's nothing. So I had to pass this smell. And I see a tiny little light at the end of this tunnel. And I said to myself, oh, okay, well, as soon as I get to that end of that tunnel, that little light, I'm going to be safe. But I wanted to die. It felt ugly. Death. And the, and the word of God says this is the second death. It's just the beginning of your second death. As I'm going into this tunnel, I finally went to the end of the tunnel. I didn't see that little light no more. Everything was just, I didn't see the demons no more. So I'm just standing there, okay? And then suddenly these flames just rose from the ground up. Real hard. That's the sound that I heard. You know how we open our curtains in the morning? So that's the way the flames split. When the flames split, a voice told me, walk forward, go in there. So I walked forward. When I went forward, there was a lot of screams. There was a lot of fire. I seen a lot of people. There was a lot of people screaming. Before I go forward, I'm not saying this to scare you guys. I'm not here to scare anybody. I'm just telling you, this is the true what happens after death. I seen all this I seen rivers 
a fire. People are burning. There's been people burning there for many, many, many years, hundreds of years. People are, are their flesh burns. They burn, they burn, they burn, and the flesh falls. And your bones get nice and toasty and black and gray. And when it's done, then the flame, the, your skin, your flesh starts growing back on you. And then the flames start again. And I also seen maggots crawling through your flesh, through your, in your bones. And they're eating you. They're eating your flesh. It makes no difference. Just picture yourself now in the earth. If you have bugs or, or maggots eating your flesh, how would that feel? But you're in hell already. There's nothing you can do. You have to. That's the torture. That's, that's, the, that's your everlasting torture life in there. I seen teenagers for the disobedience of their parents. I seen pastors because it said in the word, for they have robbed me of my tithing. I seen Christians because they didn't want to get up and do anything for God. And then Christians doing things at home, thinking that nobody will see them. I keep repenting, repenting, but they just never got out of doing what they kept doing and playing, playing, playing with God. They were either warm or even cold, but they're lukewarm. They just kept playing and playing and playing. But the flames there rise higher on Christians. Demons torture you in different ways. They can tear your head. They can attack you. They can cut you. They can stab you. They will tear your pieces and you're still alive. You can feel everything that's going on. I've seen witches. I've seen warlocks. Because Satan told them that he was going to promise them their kingdom if they serve him. Which it was a lie. All he wanted was your soul. One soul is a million soul to the Lord. That's how valuable your soul is. As I'm walking through these dirt road, there's fire and there's screaming, there's shouting. And people saying that, let me out. Let me out. I, I want to do right. I want to do right this time. I promise to do right. Let me go out and tell the world and let them know that this is a real place. Hell is real, but it's too late because once we have our opportunity and our chances, God's so merciful, he's so lovable, he gives you chance after chance after chance, and if we don't take that chance, that's where we're going to go. There was also people in there because they have no love and no, uh, no forgiveness for their others. It says, pray for your enemies. It says in the word of God, if you have no love, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. If you have no forgiveness, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven because God is pure love. Every one of these people that were being tortured and burned, there's no sleep, there's no rest, there's no food, there's no water. You know how I feel sometimes we don't go without water for a while? Man, we need water, even though we don't like water, but man, we need water. I want some water. Food, rest, you ever been, when night falls, you're tired, you need to sleep. There's no sleep there. These demons go in there day and night and they torture you in every which way. There's never no rest for you. Burning, fire. I mean, that's the least of your problems of you sleeping, not drinking, or it's the torture that you're going through with these demons. And as I begin to walk down this trail, there was rivers, but rivers of fire. 
And as I can see inside the rivers, I can see these little eyes looking up at me. And it almost appeared that as they were going up and down, it looked like they were chained up together and they were walking, going up and down as they wanted to get out. But you could hear their screams, screams, and you could see them reaching out with their hands. You could see the skeleton. And then God knows the thoughts before we think them. So these are the words that I would receive. Those were lesbians. Those were those sexuals. These are the men that were chained up together, walking in, the, in these rivers of fire. Some of them wanted out, but it was too late. And as we go, and as I'm going, I'm walking through these through this road, and all this fire, and all these all these rivers, and I start seeing a lot of crosses and fire all over the place, and you see demons poking their privates, their privates, with with these swords, poking their privates all the way in, and coming out through their chest in different direction, but they start in through their privates, and the word it says the masturbation is a no no, it's a sin. It says, cut up your hand and throw it into the fire. It is better than your hand or burn in your whole body. Those were the people that had that, that were changed up, that they were in that curse, that they could not get out of pornography, masturbation, sexual desires that DNA will bring to them. And let me tell you, it's something that, that, that demons will, te will tell them, will speak in there. Demons call us, we're stupid humans. That's the way they talk. That's the way they think of us. That we're stupid because we're so dumb to listen to every little lie that the enemy says. And I've seen a lot of these Christians in there for that. They say, well, a lot of Christians say, hey, I heard the devil tell me this. I heard the devil. Well, why can't we hear God? But because the bondage that we're in, the sin that we're in, and also for not loving each other. Not loving each other because I went back to that. We were not into the kingdom of heaven if there's no love and no repentance or forgiveness. There's Christians in there because they could not forgive. They just would not forgive. God says, if I have forgiven your sins and remember them no more, why can you forgive? But now it was too late. They wanted to forgive. They're screaming in there, I forgive you. I forgive you. Get me out of here. I want to be set free. I want to do what's right. I want to go speak the word. I want to go. I just want to live my life for you. But it says it's too late. It is too late. And I can continue walking through this. I wanted to be out. I was so afraid already. I didn't want to see no more. I did not want to see no more. I just wanted to bow down in the corner there or wherever and drop. And I wanted to close my eyes and I didn't want to see nothing no more. But whatever it was, it controls you. I was controlled to see and to move forward. In our carnal minds, we think that, oh, well, I can fight them off. I can run from them. No, there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. And you cannot fight these things. They're 10 times bigger than you, 10 times stronger than you. And there's nowhere, no way you would ever get out of these things. You would always burn. Witches in cells. There's cells in there, just like in prison. And everybody that was in these cells are the ones that created more crime, more sin in their lives. I also seen um, warlocks and witches where they were biting their flesh. They were, they were trying to drink their blood because there's no water in there. They figured if I bite my flesh off too, I can drink blood. So that's what I thought. 
But these are the words that came to me when I seen wishes and warlocks biting their flesh. And these are the words is because when they were on the earth, they sacrificed humans. They sacrificed animals. And they drank blood. And they ate the flesh of the sacrifice they did. So that's why they were in there burning and torching and trying to eat their own flesh. As I continue to go forward, I pass that. And every cell that's in there, there's different witches and warlocks for the sin. And you can see this old little, this little old lady there. And she looked towards the door out of the, the cell. And her face was changing different people. And that's what she did in the world. She would transform herself into different people. And she was using Satan's power to destroy Christians, to destroy the churches. But the cells are almost like back up in the, in the earth, prisons. Where all, there's a lot of cells because you also commit a crime up there. There's no difference on there that you commit a crime. And demons go in the same way and they torture you and they burn you and they do whatever they want with you. And there's no way out, no way out. And I kept going this, as I kept walking, I came to this room, this one big, ugly, dark, gray room. But you can hear, you can still hear all these screams, all these screams. And there was a coffin in the middle. There was a big coffin, a big black coffin. And there was demons dancing around this coffin. And there was a hole in the middle of the coffin, like a, in the center of the, almost towards the heart. And as they were dancing, they were kept singing, we worship you, Satan. We worship you, Satan. And I can hear almost rock and roll music, just as us that I used to listen to, Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and all this rock and roll music. Because that's also satanic. Rock and roll was created by Satan. And I couldn't hear this music, but instead the words were different. They were worshiping Satan. They were saying, Satan is our Lord. Satan is the Lord. And as they kept going around the circle in this box, they kept poking the hole, poking the hole, poking the hole, day and night. And I could hear somebody screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming. And it was a pastor in there. A pastor because he was robbing God. For they robbed me of my tithing. Even not just the pastors. But there's a lot of Christians that rob God of their tithing. They don't give God what needs to be given. God is not a waitress. He's a king. And when we, and we love God, we give what belongs to God. But this pastor was there because he had a big house. He had big Rolex. He had cars. And because he was robbing God. So that was his eternal life there being tortured by these demons. As I keep going by, and the, and the crosses that I seen, there was a lot of people being tortured, not only in their private parts because of observation and pornography, and there's the desires, but there was also people on the crosses being tortured, and these were the Christians, what they call the hypocrites. God doesn't like hypocrites. They were doing things out of, not because of their heart. They were doing things to look good in front of people. But deep down their hearts, they hated them. They hated each other. There's Christians that get up in the morning and say, God, please don't let this person be there today. Really? God's going to hear that prayer, right? God is love. And for us Christians, we need Remember, we're not perfect, but we have to 
do the right thing. We have to love. We have to have that that love of God in our hearts in order to do to move forward and to listen to what God wants us to do. Love is the key. Love is powerful. Love is what breaks the enemy chains. Even men and women in there because of their marriage, the lusting, the fornication, the adultery, the pornography, the sexual desires that they had, which is, is vanity. It's bondage with the enemy. God created our marriage to be clean and pure for him. A lot of Christians that they were getting couples involved in their marriage and then repent. A lot of people in there that were screaming and shouting, they had it worse. I mean, they they were really being tortured in a lot of ways because of the disgusting things they were doing in their bedroom, say, with animals and, and whatnot. And I kept going and going. I finally seen this top hill that I'm going up to this hill. After seeing all these crosses. And the thing what got me was the screams. And the demons that were so humongous. And they see you. The way they want to terrorize you. The way they want to just destroy your life. And even I seen parents. That we need to discipline their kids. To be the priest of your house. The woman praying of your house. And to lead our children to Christ and they didn't do their job because that was our job. So it's basically you're telling your son and your daughter, go to hell, I'm going to heaven. So where did you end up going for not doing God's will? So I'm climbing up this hill already. I can't stand it. I can't see no more. I, I just, I wanted water. I wanted, I just wanted some water because my mouth was so dry and I can feel the heat. I can feel the fire as I'm coming up to this big 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 hill i finally came to the end of this hill and everything closed from behind and i'm staying there and i'm, I'm there standing already with this I'm, I'm my mind is, is trauma traumatized already i'm already i don't know what's going to happen anymore all i know is that i was glad not that i was not seeing anything anymore and then a big angel seven foot angel beautiful angel with big blonde hair no wings just a white garment this angel had a big sword in his hand, and he called my name. He said, Mario, Mario. He had to call me two or three times because I was so afraid. I didn't even want to move one hand because I didn't know what was going to grab me. And I looked up to him. He said, Mario, do you know where you're at? And I looked at him, and I said, no. He said, if today was your time, this would be your portion. This is where you would spend eternal life. This is hell. He said, this is hell. He says, who's your God? And I said, I don't know. And I remember these two people by the name of Ronnie and Mike. There was the two Christians that would come out of the bus and go and pick up the little kids and pick us up for church. When he came up to me with the Bible and said, look, Mario, Jesus loves you. This is what they will tell me. So a little window opened up. And I seen both of them coming at me. Look, Mario, Jesus loves you. When they said Jesus, the window closed. And the angel spoke to me again and said, who is your God? I said, Jesus. He said, scream the name of your God. And I screamed it real loud. Jesus! And it echoed through the tunnels. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that's when I came back into my body. And I opened my eyes and I couldn't breathe. 
I was catching my breath. <gasps> and I, I, I was so afraid. I didn't want to sit up. I didn't want to do anything because I didn't know if these things were going to get me. I was just afraid. The lights were right there. I could just turn the lights on and I couldn't move. I stood there. I sat up finally and I had my head down. I was bowed up. And the words that came to me was, Lord, forgive me. And I got on my knees and I remember that. And I said, and I picked up my hands and I said, Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins. I repent. I repent for everything, God. I said, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to this place. Please forgive me, I said. And then that night, I remember a little buzz, like a buzzing noise or from the bottom of my feet, inside my feet. All the way up to my head. It came out. And from that point on, 19 years from now, the Lord delivered me from drugs, from alcohol, from tobacco from sin we're not perfect we fall short but once we love God we become to hate sin just as God hates sin he loves you as the sin that he hates just have you ever seen your dog come back to his throw up you ever seen a dog when he throws up and he licks his vomit doesn't that look gross that's the way God sees our sin the sin is what he hates but from that point on, God delivered me. And that's when I started walking with the Lord. So for those people that have been following Big T, I've said it before, love conquers all, and God is love. Uh, that's pretty impressive. But you know how we do the deep dives and we dig for the truth. That was a great testimony, and Jesus blessed that man with an opportunity to continue his life and spread the word the interesting thing is is that when you start following the dots you start connecting the dots you start realizing that this is true you start finding the threads and you start realizing what's happening you all know that it's god family country how important is it to have god in your in your life i mean i've said it to atheists before i said you don't believe in anything worst case scenario if you're God-fearing, God-loving, really believe in God, you end up being a really great person, doing really good things, and you don't hurt nobody. But, Mr. Atheist, if you're wrong, where that man was is where you're heading. You have to think, critically think, and then, and then let's, you know, let's put these guys to the test. But before we go to the, the vision that was compared to this one, uh, I want you to hear a little bit of hope. Something that's that's unique uh, that came from let's just say he believed dieheartedly believed in God but he was Muslim and he he has a message to say about about Jesus which is bizarre because you don't really hear those types of messages but what it makes you realize is no matter who you are no matter what religion you are what belief you are God still loves you and he wants to save you and Gave us free will, yes, but the power of him. And for those of you that are like, you know, I don't believe in fairy tales. I remember this guy telling me that, you know, don't believe in fairy tales. And and uh, 
I said to him, I said, you know, I said, what if somebody showed you? See, faith is important. You got to have faith. God doesn't show everybody, but he, he does show some people. And these people go through these things so other people don't have to. But then you have to believe. You have to have faith. And man, stories, the Bible, God's word. And then hopefully God shows you through miracles, which he has for me. But again, this is a, a Muslim who uh, sees and hears Jesus. So it's a very interesting story. I basically grew up as a Muslim. And um, about a year ago, um, as I was praying, uh, we normally make it Muslims look out to Salah, I don't know how you want to call it. Um, before I leave for the office every morning, I would do um, two rakats. Um, and one morning, what started happening was, as I was praying, um, I started hearing within me, Jesus, you know? And, um, it bothered me, but, you know, it, it wasn't that bad. And then it became an everyday thing. Every day, every day, I'm just hearing, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? And so as a Muslim, obviously, I get backed out of my knees, and, I, and I'm really begging Allah for mercy, and I'm saying, I'm so sorry. I'm not, you know, I don't know where this Jesus thing is coming from, and, and you know, please forgive me. You know, so my prayers of 15 minutes would now become 30 minutes because I'd be begging for mercy uh, more than I'd actually be praying. So I stopped praying altogether, you know, and uh, it was a point in my, in, my, in my life where everything started coming, crumbling down, you know, work, personal life, um, all of that. Um, and then I started praying again. And um, when I started praying again, I still heard Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And this is the most amazing thing. The one day when, when it becomes really loud and really, really shattering within me, is when God sets it up that I meet with the right person, you know, and, and, and actually have this encounter with him. So he sets it up in such a way that one morning, as I'm praying, he says, Jesus, and he's like, shakes my soul, you know, and, I'm, and I, I actually get scared. I stop praying, and I'm like, what the hell just happened here, you know? Um, and that's the morning I, I, I walk into the office, and I'm, I'm really distraught, you know. Um, I obviously don't know that I'm showing it, um, but a friend of mine, a really, really good friend of mine, that I didn't even know knows God, you know? I knew her for about um, nine years, and uh, we worked for the same company and everything. Um, I just always liked her. I didn't know why I liked her, you know? She's just an amazing person to be around, you know? She says, hey, Sam, why do you look you know, so distraught? And I said, oh, I, I don't know, you know, everything's just, you know, crumbling. And she asked me, well, did you pray, you know? And in my mind, uh, I'm thinking, man, telling me about prayer and what do you know about prayer but I don't say anything you know and then um, I'll say no I, you know I pray every morning I pray you know she says well you know why don't why don't you come to church with me and so quite honestly I, I do it but I do it just to satisfy her you know and make her happy and so that weekend the Sunday we go to church and because I still think church was like like it used to be and I still have my shirt and pants and <laughs> looking all from and proper Everybody else is in jeans. <laughs> I felt a bit out. Anyway, um, so we come into the church, and everybody starts jamming and singing, you know, and I'm thinking, these crazy Christians, you know, what are they doing? They come here, they're jamming, and then they leave happy. Of course they're going to be happy, you know, and I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, 
man, I just wish I had a, a quiet place, a solitude, you know, where I could pray, you know, because the Muslim in me is still there, you know. So, um, so anyway, I mean, we, we're done with church, and I think this is just ridiculous, you know. I'm, I'm calling it, you know. So we get back to the office, but Rosie doesn't leave me, you know. This, um, she she keeps asking me, so how's it going, you know? Have you have you done this? Have you done that? You know, she's trying to get me um, to understand. Uh, to understand God and Christianity and, and, and faith and Jesus, you know, and one day I was on my on my computer and I'm thinking, you know, let's give it another shot um, and I'll, I'll find a church close to me and then, you know, I'll go and give it a try and then Rosemary walks up and, you know, I just couldn't lie to her. She's like, so, how's it going? And I told her, you know, Rosie, I'm trying to look for another church and, and you know, and to try this again, but quite honestly, uh, I didn't get too much out of, you know, um, going to your church. Um, so she said, no, 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 wait, hang on, you know, I, I have a friend close to you, Edenvale, um, I'll introduce you guys, you go there, you know, and, and see, see how it goes. I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest realization that came out of this is that um, I needed to give myself completely to God, otherwise it would just never happen. So uh, I meet Robin and, and she's just, uh, she's flowing with love, you know, she just, that's the only way I can, I can um, explain this lady, she's just amazing. I'm standing next to them, they're trying, to, they're trying to make sure I'm very comfortable. So before the band starts, I close my eyes, I look down and I say, Jesus, if you are my savior, today's the day you need to show me. Otherwise, I'm a Muslim again. And then they start singing. And my soul lights on fire, just like poof. And I'm like, what the hell's going on, you know? I'm feeling overwhelming love. I'm feeling all these emotions mixed up. Like, I don't know what, what's going on, you know? I'm just confused. I'm standing there and I'm like, what the hell's going on? And But I'm just loving it. I don't want it to stop, you know? And um, I, I know now that, you know, the Holy Spirit had baptized me. Um, but... I mean, I don't even know about, like, the Holy Spirit, you know, <laughs> what do I know of, of the Holy Spirit's baptism? But anyway, so this, this tells me, man, there's something here, you know, I mean, this, this was so amazing. Um, so in my heart, in my mind, um, I met God, you know, and I understand that Jesus is my Savior. So now, I go back home, life carries on, and, and now I start reading the Bible. And the Bible becomes... Um, the only way I can describe it is like food. When you're very, very hungry, it starts filling the gap, filling the gap. So I'm, I'm reading the Bible and I just can't stop. I'm, I'm eating this thing up and I'm just loving it, you know. So I, I started analyzing it, you know, and it's my job to be an analyst. So, so I, I analyze everything. So I analyzed what I've been through. And um, what I came up with was um, that I only felt that heat and that love and that, and that overwhelming wanting to just cry feeling because everybody else around me at the church was feeling very um, happy or whatever energy they were feeling. I mean, I decided it, it was probably everybody's energy. But I, now I'm, I can't let go because it was such a powerful, powerful feeling that I need to know because if this is God, I don't want him, I don't want him to go away. I want to be with him. I want to get closer. I want to get deeper. You know, I just want to be with him. Uh, I start praying for revelation. I said, you know, God, you need to show me. God, you need to show me. But this became obsessive, compulsive prayer because I'd wake up in the middle of the night, even if I'm going to go drink water, 
I said, God, you need to show me. God, you need to show me. God, you need to show me. I'll be in the office with busy on my laptop. God, you need to show me. God, you need to show me. It became like, like I was just obsessed with this bro. And um, one day when, when like I could, I don't say this and I forgot about it. Um, I wake up in, in our bedroom right next to our bedroom is an open plan kitchen. And uh, I walk out of um, the bedroom and on my right, I see a huge picture of, of, of light. And this light is Jesus' face. And Jesus is not as pretty as we all think he is. But it's just beautiful and it's just love and it's just um, an overwhelming feeling for me because now what's happened is I've actually had revelation of Jesus himself, God himself, came down and showed me that he exists. I mean, after that, it, I just could not stop. I'm, I mean, I'm loving, loving being a Christian. I'm loving God. It's changed my life completely. Um, I'm a different person, completely different person. I mean, if you knew who I was before and you know me now, um, you, you're seeing two different individuals completely. In, uh, in Islam, they teach you so much of fear that you don't get to know God. I, um, for the first time in my life, um, read the book, um, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And this lady speaks about calling God Father, calling Jesus Father. And that, I mean, that morning when I read that, um, I closed the book and I said, Father. Father, and the overwhelming love that I felt come back, it's just like amazing, because now I have a relationship one-on-one -on -one with my God, my dad, my Abba, my, my father, and that's the big difference in Islam, it's just fear, and um, you're doing this wrong, and um, now I've learned about grace, and, and it's such an overwhelming change, overwhelming, you know, before we, before we went on the outreach, um, I was very drawn to evangelism and healing and all of that because I'm a strong believer in, in in what happened in the book of Acts you know and these guys weren't sitting in churches or or finding spaces that were specific to to sitting in and praying for people and all of that they were very very active disciples you know they went out they healed people they they spread the word of God and that for me if you find somebody that uh, crippled and you tell them that your father can heal them they want to know this father they want to know this Jesus and you heal them on the spot by the power of Jesus Christ that is a huge 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 impact on the person's life it would have a huge impact on my life um, when we went out in and we healed the first lady we had a headache in Wimpy absolutely unbelievable I mean I was so excited because the look on her face was just like oh she was in shock you know like what the hell just happened? That really worked, you know? And then um, it was obviously daunting, you know, because you're not used to walking up, especially to people in a mall, and starting to disciple to them and talk to them about God and start to heal them. Um, you know, so it was an amazing, an amazing uh, journey, Pete, especially you ministering to us the way you did. I don't think you know how much that impacted us. It had a huge impact on us. I was so caught up in the love of God that all I wanted to do was have my whole family understand God and understand Jesus and, and know what he's done for us. Um, so what I did was I took my books 
and I wanted my brother to read them because I kept trying to tell him about God. So I gave him a book. Um, and what this book does is, and it's pretty scary because when I read this book, I cried for like an hour. Because what this book does is it takes history and it, it, it compares um, things that have been done by Muhammad and Jesus. And it's quite scary for a Muslim to understand the truth about somebody you believed in so much. But history shows that actually, I hate to say it, but that Muhammad was not such a good guy. And, and you know, probably people are going to watch this and think that's such a, such a bad thing to say. But I ask you um, to please go and look it up. Um, you know? And so that's, so I give this, I give this book to my brother so he can know the truth. Um, he doesn't read it, you know, um, his daughter reads it and she's just blown away and she's like, Sam, is, is this true? But facts are facts, history is history. And this is what was written and, you know, I don't want to go into the details. Uh, they, they're pretty gruesome, some of them, but, um, you know, I, I would really, really advise any Muslims watching this to please look into it. So she says to me, but like, then how do I know? How do I know who's the real God? You know, I'm, I mean, I don't know, you know. Um, and my advice to anybody who, who feels that way is ask. Because that's what most of us do, really. We just ask. We just say, God, please show yourself to me. If it's you, Jesus, please show yourself to me. And, and you know what? Say, if it's you, Muhammad, please show yourself to me. And, and you know, I, I can almost bet you a hundred to, to none um, that Jesus will show up. Jesus will show you. So that young gentleman, Sam, after his encounter, his wife and son also found Jesus. His niece asked Jesus to reveal himself, and she started dreaming Bible verses without ever reading a Bible before, and soon decided to ask Jesus to save her. This is interesting stuff that people that don't ever know about Jesus or about the Bible, they start getting things revealed to them. My nephew, he actually told me that he used to believe in God and Jesus and he was he was falling away from him and he's like well it was what man wrote and well, how could it be real and all these things and, and I said well just ask Jesus ask God to show you and he goes I have and he hasn't shown me yet well last summer his beautiful pet favorite little dog was dying having an illness and with tumors all over his body and my nephew held that little dog and said Lord if you're real, please heal my, my dog. I love him so much. <laughs> and they took him to the vet the next day, literally the next day, because he was jumping all around full of energy. They tried to find out where the lumps were to x-ray wherever they could. Not a, not a cyst, not a bump on his body completely cured and, and and the difference between that dog from when I saw him when he was sick and old and then the after like two or three days later I went over and visited that dog was like a puppy <laughs> that dog was like jumping and bouncing all around he told me that story and he's like I'm not sure if I should tell you this but this is what happened you know God and Jesus answers your prayers you don't know when you don't know how and if he doesn't there's a reason he knows what's best for us. People have told me that, you know, oh yeah, I've prayed for Powerball or Mega Millions and God hasn't given me that yet. Well, God's protecting you. With that comes 
great dangers, great responsibility, so many more problems and issues that you probably are not ready for. But you know what's great is you know that the Lord Jesus loves us and he'll provide. But anyways, we're, we're so this is a man that's never seen Jesus before. The other man had never, wasn't a church goer. And next thing you know, uh, just some from some disciples early when he was little, giving him that book and said, Jesus loves you, basically got him out of hell. And so now just to tie things together, because you know we like to connect the dots, we want to deep dive for truth. Follow this next story and compare from the first walk through hell to this story. And I'm going to play the whole thing. There's There's stuff out there that cuts it up and makes it smaller. But I'm going to play the whole thing because he lists and, and, and really goes over the biblical verses that ties in hell and proves that what he was seeing has been spoken to from prophets and from visions. So let's, uh, let's take a listen to this guy here. You had an experience that's unlike anything I've ever heard. And I want you to take us back to just that night that you first experienced this. And I know it was one experience. Just take us to that night. And tell me, what was it a regular day? It was. First of all, thank you, David, for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. But, yes, we were a uh, regular, normal day, nothing unusual about the day. We attended a prayer meeting that we attended every Sunday night at our friends, Pastor Rell and Sharon's house, and came home, nothing unusual about the night. I've never studied the topic of hell. I've never gone to dark movies or taken drugs, none of that. I've never had a vision before. But uh, so what this was, was uh, an out-of-body experience that would be classified as a vision in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2, Paul, when he was caught up into heaven in a vision, he said, whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. Well, the Lord showed me that I left my body. Now, I've never had a vision or anything like this, but I had gotten up at 3 o'clock in the morning to get a glass of water. And suddenly I was pulled out of my body, like being drawn out of your body. And I found myself falling through the air down this long tunnel. And it was getting hotter and hotter. And I entered into this open cavern area. And I landed on an actual stone floor in a prison cell in hell. I had no idea how I got there, why I was there. Nothing was explained until the way back. I was fully awake and cognizant, David, uh, just like I'm standing here now. And, uh, but in this prison cell. Now, just to explain a couple things so people understand. In a vision in the Bible, you can travel just like Paul and John did to heaven. They were taken to heaven. In a vision, Ezekiel was picked up by his hair and he was carried to Jerusalem in a vision. He was told to eat. He experienced the sweetness of the food in his stomach. He wept. He conversed. My point is, in a vision, you can experience the same things in your spirit body that you would in your physical body. It's just as real. So in a vision, you can travel in your spirit body. 1 Corinthians 15, 44 talks about a natural body and a spirit body. So that's what this was. So just so people can understand, because I've been a Christian for 43 years, this happened 14 years ago. So only in a vision can a Christian see hell. And that's what this was. So I traveled. I just want to make that point clear. Um, and Joseph 14 says, you scare me with dreams and terrify me through visions. So you can't have a terrifying vision. Isaiah 21, 2, he was given a grievous vision. And in Job 4:14, Eliphaz was given a vision that caused his bones to shake. So you can't have a grievous, terrifying, bone-shaking vision. As a believer. Yes, right. And uh, the purpose for me seeing this place was to point people to the scriptures. It's not important for anybody to believe my experience. I'm not here to convince anyone to believe my experience. I'm just here as a signpost to point them to the scriptures and by those be persuaded. Because there really is a hell just like the Bible talks about. Jesus talked about hell 46 different verses he mentioned it. 
and uh, because it's a warning. He doesn't want anybody to go to this horrible place. You mentioned that you were perfectly cognitive. Right. And uh, some people, when they hear that, they have a little trouble understanding because everyone thinks of the spirit realm as just this fuzzy, mystical kind of pseudo experience right. that's not real. But you're, you're telling me, just as you, you, you know this is real right now, yes. you were that cognitive. Absolutely. You know, just like John when he went to heaven, he described what he saw in heaven. And it's, it's very, very clear. I mean, he was actually there in heaven. This is not to compare my experience with any of the great men of the Bible, but just to give a scriptural basis. So I was fully awake, just like I'm, I'm sitting here now. Wow. And I, I couldn't believe I was there. Why am I here? Nothing. I didn't understand why. But I'm telling you, David, hell, if anybody could see hell for five seconds, it would change their whole life. It is the most horrifying place your mind can't even imagine. But I first found myself in this prison cell. Uh, I'm just going to give a few scriptures along the way so people can understand, Absolutely. you know, because everything I saw is already in the Bible. I, I wrote books, and in the books I have over 250 verses that talk about everything I saw is already in the Bible. But Isaiah 24:22 says, And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. Proverbs 7:27 mentions going down to hell to the chambers of death. The word chambers means inner rooms. Job 17, 16 says, They shall go down to the bars of the pit. Jonah 2, 6, The earth with her bars was about me forever. So the point is, I, I was in a prison cell with bars and rough-hewn stone walls, and it was literal. It wasn't metaphorical. It was a real literal bars. And most of the commentaries agree that, it, that Jonah, in Jonah 2, 2, he was actually in hell, and it was literal bars and gates. So that's where I found myself. And like I said, the heat was so far beyond the ability to sustain life. I wondered how could it be alive in this heat. Mm -hmm. I should be dead. I was lying on the floor in the cell, and uh, I, I had absolutely no strength in my body. I thought, what's wrong with my body? Why, why is it so much effort to try to move? But Isaiah 14, 9 and 10 says, Hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at thy coming. They will say, Art thou become weak as we? And Psalms 88, 4 says, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that has no strength. Now, so one of the things you have to endure in hell for all eternity is you're completely void of any kind of physical strength. And so you're defenseless. You, you can't hardly move. But see, even Acts 17, 28 says, In Him, Jesus, we live and move and have our being. Wow. So even movement comes from God. It's not automatic. So you're void of all this. It's like if you ever had the flu and you felt weak. Yeah. What's well, a thousand times worse? You can't hardly move. Anyway, I looked up and I saw these two enormous beasts. They were demons. And they were pacing in the cell like a vicious, caged animal. The most ferocious demeanor. Uh, they had bumps and scales all over the one's body. Huge jaw, sunken in eyes, claws about a foot long. And uh, these particular two were about 12 or 13 feet tall. And that's not an exaggeration, but there's even scripture I could give you for that, but I'll keep moving. And they were pacing like a caged animal, and they were blaspheming and cursing God. They had an extreme hatred for God. But we know blasphemy comes from the demonic realm. Revelation 13, 6, James 2, 7, and some others. And then they directed that hatred they have for God, they directed towards me. I wonder why. What have I done to them? But the one picked me up, threw me into the wall of the cell. Wow. Tremendous strength demons have. I hit the wall. Bones broke. I collapsed on the floor. You felt your bones I felt breaking. bones break, but I understood that I was only feeling a small amount of the pain. I didn't understand that, but on the way back, the Lord explained that he did allow me to feel a small amount of the pain, but he blocked most of it uh, because he wanted me to experience experience some so I could relate to people that it's not a state of the mind, it's real literal pain you're going to feel in hell. But as this is going on, in your mind, aren't you 
thinking, Lord, help me? No, because, see, I was there as an unsaved person. Now, I have to explain this part. God blocked it from my mind that I was a Christian. He hid that fact from me. And then you might say, where's that in the Bible? Luke 24, 16, Jesus, when he appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, it says their eyes were holden that they should not know him. Well, John MacArthur's commentary and Matthew Henry's and many others say that uh, they were kept by God from recognizing him. God hid it from their minds. Many examples of this are in the Bible. Well, God hid it from my mind for a reason. He wanted me to experience what they feel there, hopelessness. Wow. You see, as a Christian, I would have said, praise God, he's getting me out of here. I would have known that, right? But as an unsaved person, that's what he wanted me to feel, the hopelessness. You see, in hell, they, those people know they're never going to get out. A hundred million years ago, they know they're not getting out. Isaiah 38, 18 says, those who go down to the pit cannot hope for thy truth. And we know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth, but it's too late for them. That's what he wanted me to feel, that hopelessness. So these creatures were directing their hatred toward you. Right. And then the other one picked, his, picked me up, dug his claws to my chest, just tore the flesh open. Now that should have killed me. I thought, why am I still alive through this? I should be dead. But you can't die. See, death does not mean cease to exist. It means separation from God. Spiritual death is separation from God. So you still exist in this body. I noticed I had a body. Matthew 10, 28 says, Fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Remember Luke 16, the rich man, he lifted up his eyes. He wanted a drop of water to cool his tongue. He had eyes, he had a tongue. So you have a body, but it withstands these torments. And I, but I noticed there was no blood or water coming from the wounds. You know, normally you see blood, but there was no blood or water. But Leviticus 17:11 says the life of the flesh is in the blood. Hmm. Well, there's no life in hell, so there's no blood. And Zechariah 9:11 says, "Thy prisoners out of the pit where there is no water. There's not one drop of water in hell." And David, these creatures have no mercy over you. These demons hate you. But we know Psalms 103:17 says, "The mercy of the Lord is upon those that fear Him." Well, they don't fear Him in hell, so you don't derive the benefit of mercy. And uh, about this time, it went dark. Now, I believed it was God's presence there to illuminate it so I could see, to describe to people what it looks like. But then it resumed its normal state, absolute pitch black darkness. But we know Lamentations 3, 6 says, He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. Or Jude 13 mentions blackness of darkness forever. But it wasn't just dark. You could literally feel the darkness. And, and that's not an exaggeration. Exodus 10, 21 mentions a darkness that may be felt. What do you mean you could feel it? Well, it, it's, so, it's so evil that, and so dark, it just penetrates through every cell in your body. It's not just dark. Like you, you couldn't see the hand in front of your face. And the whole place is filled with evil. And, and you just feel it. It's like Exodus 21 mentions. I was taken out of the cell. I was placed over next to this large raging pit of fire. Now, it was God that took me out, but I didn't realize that then. I was just placed over next to this pit. And this pit, I understood, was about a mile across with real literal flames raging high up in this open cavern. And David, this is where I could first see people. There were thousands of people inside this pit burning, on fire. And that's the most awful thing is to see a person on fire burning. Most of us have never seen that. But there are thousands of people screaming. And the screams are so loud. You want to get away from the screams. You know, if you've ever heard a person scream, well, there's thousands. But you can't. For all eternity, you have to endure that. You know. But Isaiah 57, 21 says, There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And Isaiah 32, 18 says, My people dwell in a quiet resting place. Well, you're not his people, so you don't derive that benefit of even quiet. Wow. And, uh, but to see people on fire. And there were demons shoving people back into this pit. Uh, the, 
And, you know, but more importantly, you know, the real fire, Jesus talked about fire. In 18 of those verses, he talked about hell. He mentioned about the fires of hell. So, again, it's not metaphorical. It's not a state of the mind. It's real, literal fire. I felt the heat. I saw the flames. But it's more important what the scripture says. Psalms 11, 6 says, Upon the wicked he will rain fire and brimstone and a horrible tempest. Uh, Matthew 13, 49 says, The angels shall sever the wicked from the just and cast the wicked into a furnace of fire. Many scriptures that talk about real fire, I could go on and on, but, but the point is, we know what fire's like. You said you saw yeah. people and you heard them screaming. Was there ever a point where you conversed with anybody? No. Those people are they're in a pit. They're all kept isolated and apart from each other. They don't know, they're not aware of each other? Yeah, they could see them, but they're far apart, so you could have no conversation. So you never get to converse with anybody again in hell. You're completely isolated by yourself. And that's an awful thing to, to experience. No conversation ever again. Mm. And uh, there's people in individual pits of fire also. There's a lot of people in the big pit, but there were individual pits of fire that I saw. But that nobody is together. You have no purpose, no destiny. It's a complete useless wasting away. But Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, There is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in Sheol. Sheol is the Hebrew word for the current hell. And so it's, you have, it's just a waste. And it doesn't matter if you're somebody famous here. No one would know who you are there. You have no identity. Ecclesiastes 6.4 says your name is covered in darkness. No one would know who you are. And you're completely forgotten in hell. Psalms 88.12, Isaiah 26.14, many scriptures. It's an awful thing to just be forgotten. You understand nobody up on the earth has even given you a thought. Hmm. Nobody remembers you or, or thinking about that you still exist down here i thought about my wife i thought about her up on the earth and i understood i'll never get to say goodbye to her she'll never know that i'm here and that's an awful thought to live with for all eternity that you can never say goodbye to your loved ones they'll never know that you're down here suffering still existing wow. job 7 9 says he that goes down to sheol shall come up no more you understand you're not getting out and um the stench in hell is so foul and putrid, the worst odors you can ever imagine, worse than any open sewer, bad eggs, rotten milk, everything you can think of times a thousand. And remember, Jesus rebuked the foul spirits, Mark 9.25, yes. the demons have a foul smell, the burning flesh, but also you're breathing in uh, burning sulfur, which is toxic. If you go to Hawaii to the volcano, you know, they have signs posted where you cannot go past a certain point. Because of the toxicity of the burning sulfur coming up, it will kill you. It's sulfur dioxide. If you breathe that, it will kill you. It's toxic. Well, sulfur is just another word for brimstone. And the word brimstone is all through the Bible. So you're breathing in this foul, putrid air. That should kill you. And so you don't want to breathe. But it's even worse than that because there's not enough air to breathe. And you have to fight and gasp for even the tiniest bit of air. And But maybe only an asthma patient can relate to this. But this is how you breathe in hell. It was like... That was as much air as you could get. Well, that's not enough. You feel like you're going to die any moment. But see, Isaiah 42, 5 says, The Lord gives breath to the people upon the earth. You're not upon the earth. You're down deep beneath the earth. God's real specific with his word. And you need, you need to sleep in hell. Just like here, we need sleep. Now, I was only there 23 minutes, but I felt like I was there 23 weeks. Wow. And you need sleep just like here. You know, if you stay up for one or two nights, you know, you ever stay up for two nights with no sleep? Yes. You're pretty much a wreck after two nights, right? You can't function. Well, hell, it gets progressively worse, and you need to sleep. See, Revelation 14, 11 says, and the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. Now, no rest from the torment, but no rest of any kind, because Isaiah 57, 20 said, the wicked are like the troubled sea that cannot rest. You know, the sea's always moving. 
But see, rest is a blessing from God again. Psalms 127.2 said, the Lord gives his beloved sleep. You're not his beloved there. So there's no rest. There's no water. There's, there's no, no breath, water. There's no communication. No communication. Um, you don't get to eat. You have the feeling of hunger for all eternity. You don't get, you know, if I was to give you a drop of water, that wouldn't suffice, would it? You wouldn't value a drop, one drop. But in hell you would. Just like Luke 16, the rich man wanted a drop of water. You never get that drop. So you have that thirst feeling for all eternity. No sleep, the torment, the loud screams, the darkness. It's so intense. Now, I could only see through the flames and along the edges. It is so dark in hell, it consumes the light. You know, here, a pit a mile across would produce a lot of light, right? A whole mile is a big pit. Well, in hell, it doesn't. It's so dark, it consumes the light. So I could only see through it and just along the edges. And I was standing beneath a tunnel, and along the edges were these demonic creatures of all different sizes. Some were only 2 and 3 feet tall. Some were 12 and 13 feet tall. Everything twisted, deformed, grotesque, the most horrible-looking creatures. Uh, there were snakes, and I was standing on a bed of maggots, solid maggots all over, crawling on people. But see, um, you know, Jesus said, where their worm dies not. And he used the word maggot. If you look it up in the original, it's the word maggot. And he said, where their worm dies not. See, in Isaiah 14, 11, it says, where the maggot will be spread under thee and the worm will cover thee. It's the word maggot in the original. So that's why Jesus said, their worm dies not, because the flesh is never fully consumed. You see, I didn't know this, but if a dead animal is being eaten by maggots, I know this is disgusting, but if a dead animal here in life is being eaten by maggots, when the flesh is consumed, the maggots will die. I never knew that. Maggots die after the flesh is consumed. That's why Jesus said, where their worm dies not, because the flesh is never fully consumed in hell. Wow. So as Job 24.20 says, the maggot will feed sweetly on thee. Is that disgusting enough? These things you're telling me, I'm, I'm, it's just, it's, I'm just sitting here going, wow. It's, see, it's far worse than people ever imagine, and I never thought about hell. Never gave it a thought. I knew that it was fire. As a Christian, I knew, well, it's fire, it's hot, but never really gave it a thought. But, I mean, every horrible thing is experienced in hell. And you'll never get one good thing again. What was the fear like? The fear is so far beyond anything you can imagine. And I try to relate to people the fear. You know, all of us have gone through some kind of fear in life. Maybe you're in a car accident. You remember the moment before the impact? Maybe before you hit the, the fear that jumped up in your throat. Maybe you're in a war and you saw some horrible things. Maybe you were robbed at gunpoint. That fear that you felt. Well, I'll share an experience I had. I used to surf a lot when I was a teenager. And uh, I was attacked by a 10-foot tiger shark. Grabbed my leg, pulled me down under the water. Now, you can imagine the fear that I felt at that moment, right? You can kind of relate to that. I can tell you in life there's not much more fearful than that. <laughs> than having your leg in a shark's mouth. Well, that fear that I felt, David, paled in comparison to what you feel in hell. Wouldn't even register. So you have to endure that fear for all eternity. It's just suffering and it's pinnacle. Yeah. It's fear and it's pinnacle. It's 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 all these the wonderful things about God. And you I like how you were you worded it before in your book and in the talks I've seen you give to where hell is simply not not why well, I, I shouldn't suffer right. so far, but it's the absence of everything right. that is good about God. Exactly. That, that's something the Lord revealed to me. See, James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of light. So all the good we enjoy in life comes from God. Fresh air, sunshine, sleep, fellowship, eating, drinking. All that comes from God. So God prepared hell for the devil. 
Matthew 25, 41, Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. He never intended for man to go to this place. But he used the word prepared. Same word he used in John 14, 2, where he goes to prepare a place for us in heaven or make ready. Mm -hmm. So what he did was, since all good comes from him, he withdrew his goodness because he was preparing this for the devil. He threw the devil out of heaven. He prepared a place that had nothing to do with God. He withdrew his goodness. See, hell is dark because 1 John 1, 5 said God is light. There's only death in hell because John 1, 4 said God is life. There's only hatred in hell because 1 John 4, 16 said God is love. There's no mercy in hell because Psalms 36, 5 says the mercy of the Lord is in the heavens. There's no strength in hell because Psalms 18, 32 said it's the Lord that gives us strength. There's no water in hell because Deuteronomy 11, 11 says water is the rain of heaven. And there's no peace in hell because Isaiah 9, 6 says he is the prince of peace. So you see, if God removes himself from the situation, all the good goes with him. You can't have the good without God. You can't separate the two. So if you're a person in life that says, you know, I don't want anything to do with God. Well, fine. Then there's a place prepared that has nothing to do with him. Wow. Other than one thing, the fire in hell does represent God's wrath. All through the Bible, it says he'll pour out his wrath in the form of fire on sin. But God poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross so we wouldn't have to take that wrath. But if people deny Jesus as their Lord and Savior, then they have to take the wrath. But see, the other things experienced are because of his absence. So that's why hell is so horrible. So, so you, you were taken to this place, this prison-like place, and you were taken to a place where you saw people on fire. What else did you see? I, I saw demons tormenting people. Uh, like I said, demons all different sizes and shapes. Uh, people have no strength. They're burning. Uh, they're alone. They're just by themselves. They have no purpose, no destiny. It, it's just a complete waste in hell. And, and But again, David... I really want to get this across to people. That worst part is that hopelessness. Because you understand there's no Calvary coming over the hill. There's no angels to come rescue you. There's no friend you're ever going to get to talk to. You understand. See, in life here, we always have hope. Even if your situation is so dire, you can always die to get out of your pain. But in hell, you understand you're not going to die. You're not going to get out of it. To go on for all eternity like this, it's beyond anything we can imagine. That's why this decision is so important for people to make, to receive Jesus, to repent of their sin and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior so they can escape this horrible place. And that experience, how has that changed you seeing all that? Well, it's given my wife and I a passion to want to go and share this with people. Now, David, I've never asked for one place to go. We've never even asked to write our book. The publisher came to us, and we've been invited all over the world to speak. We've never pursued anything. We've never promoted ourselves in any way. But God keeps opening up the doors. But I'm happy to go because I understand the value of a soul. And if I can point people to the Scripture, and by the Scriptures their eyes are opened, and they can avoid this horrible place then they can avoid hell and go to heaven. So it's given me an eternal perspective. What's really important in life? God told us all as Christians to go and witness and share the gospel, right? That's what we're all supposed to do. Yeah. It's not just for pastors. So it's given us that desire, and it's caused my wife and I to even leave our careers, which was not easy. We both made a lot of money in the real estate business. And I owned my own, my own company for 35 years, and we walked away from that large income. You know, to me, that adds a lot of credibility to your story. Because a lot of times you see people who have these, these stories and th there's nothing scriptural about their experiences. Right. They didn't leave anything behind. They, they're looking, they're pushing themselves in their experience. But with yours, you, you were a businessman in Orange County. Right. And you can't do well in Orange County if you're telling people you went to hell. 
Right. Right. But, you know, for seven years, there was no book. The first seven years, I had, didn't have a book. And we were invited all around the country. We paid our own way, and we never took one penny from anybody everywhere we went around the country mm. for seven years. Then the publisher came to us, and they asked us to write the book. So it was not something we were looking to self-promote. But I was happy to write the book because I placed in there all the scriptures so people can read for themselves what the Bible says. They don't have to believe my experience. Just believe the word of God. And again, that when you say that, that again to me adds so much more credibility to what you're saying. It's, it's about pointing people to the truth of the word of God ultimately. Right. Well, we paid our own way. We didn't take any money. And then we walked away from our career. We we're making a half a million dollars a year. That's not easy to walk away from, you know, and not knowing how we're going to survive. But God's taking care of us. Um, and he, he's a good God that we serve. So if I can, go back to this, this experience where you were there, and then tell us now kind of the final moments leading up to you coming out of this experience. Well, when I was looking at all this horror, people being tormented, I was terrified in this dark tunnel, and something began lifting me up, raising me up this tunnel. It was God, but I didn't realize it. I started ascending up this tunnel, and then all of a sudden, this bright light appeared. I knew immediately who it was. I had no question in my mind. I didn't see his face. I just saw the outline of a man standing in this bright, pure, holy light. It's like no light I've ever seen. And I just called out his name. I said, Jesus. And he said, I am. Hmm. And when he said, I am, I went out. I don't know if I died, passed out. I don't know what happened there. I can only explain that through Revelation 1.16. John, when he saw him, he said his countenance was bright as the sun, and I fell at his feet as one dead. Now, after a time, he touched me, and I came to. And, you know, at first, when I came to, I was at his feet. And it hit me so strongly, David, that because he went to the cross, I didn't have to go to that horrible place. I was so grateful for the cross. I just was so thankful that the King of Kings, the maker of heaven and earth, died for me to keep me out of that horrible place. I just wanted to worship him. I didn't want to ask him any questions. I just want to thank him. But after a time, he... He started uh, reading my thoughts and answering my thoughts. But Psalms 139.2 says he answers our thoughts afar off. And I thought, Lord, why did you send me to this horrible place? He said, because many people do not believe hell is real. He said, even some of my own people do not believe hell exists. Now, that statement surprised me because I thought all Christians believe in hell. I found out since many Christians do not believe in a literal hell. There's some that believe in annihilationism, which is a teaching that says you simply cease to exist if you deny Jesus. That's not true. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 46, these shall go into everlasting life, and these shall go into everlasting punishment. He used the word everlasting as the word ionios. Just as heaven is everlasting, so is hell everlasting. It says the same thing in John 5, 29, Mark 16, 16, Daniel 12, 2, Acts 24, 15, Revelation 14, 10, 11, many verses that talk about hell is eternal. It's for real. It will last for all eternity. And uh, I was just so thankful. Other people believe in universalism. That's a teaching that says that everybody gets saved. That's mm -hmm. not true. Or soul sleep. Many false teachings out there. And I thought, Lord, why did those demons hate me so much? Why did they hate me so much? He said, because you're made in my image and they hate me. Remember, Jesus said in John 15, 18, they hated me before they hated you. Those demons have a hatred for God and a hatred for his creation. And uh, then I thought, Lord, I don't want to tell anybody about this experience. They're going to think I'm crazy or had a bad dream. He said, it's not your job to convict their hearts. It's the Holy Spirit's. He said, you just go and tell them. I said, yes, sir, I'll go. But you don't have to admit, I complained for the first seven years when there was no book. I complained about this. I had a real estate business, making a lot of money. I didn't need the ridicule. Why do I need to do this? And I kind of griped to the Lord. 
But he said to me, you know, Bill, it's not about you being comfortable. It's about you being obedient. Wow. You know, and God's given us all a job to do. And nobody is more important than anybody else. We all have a job to do in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter what he's called you to do. Just be obedient and do it with all your heart. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 6, where, he, where he's speaking about go to the people, tell them that we're not listening. And, it was, and, and often when I look at that scripture with Isaiah, is God, God sent him. It's almost like people telling me as an evangelist, you're going to go and preach the gospel and no one will ever get saved. You know, yeah. that's pretty much what he told Isaiah. But it's so key what you said about delivering that message that's in your heart that it doesn't matter if, if I mean, results leave to him. Right. But I'm just going to be obedient. Exactly. That's all we're called to do is be obedient. You know, and at first, the first year, I wanted to grab everybody by the shirt collar and make sure they get saved, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because you understand, you, I've been there, I saw it. And people say, you know, I don't believe that. I just don't believe the Bible. And you, you get frustrated, you know. But the Lord showed me, you know, you're not the Savior. You're just the messenger boy. Just give them the message, let them make a decision. So that's why now my wife and I, we just are here to share information so people can make an informed decision. Tell them about the Bible, show them the scripture, explain salvation to them so they can make that decision themselves. But people have to understand, they have to decide. God's not sending anybody to hell. People think God's the one sending people to hell, that he's some mean God. But they understand, it's the same God that came and died a horrible death on the cross to keep us out. So how mean is that? Well, I was going to ask you, and, and I'm going to, hopefully, if you don't mind, I'm going to transition now to some, just some of the things that, I mean, I heard your experience, and there, immediately there are some thoughts, and I know you've probably heard them all before, but you talked about annihilation, and I don't believe that, and I don't believe in universalism, that, that to me, that's heresy, it's dangerous. Right. I tell people, I'd rather offend people into heaven than comfort them into hell. Good point. And, and you know, so when I preach the gospel, it's with that urgency of this eternal place, but Annihilation, some would say, that's just, that seems so much more just because someone who sins, they sin, as you've said, maybe 70, 80, 100 years in very few cases. They, they have a life of sin for 100 years. And then, like you said, they get punished for all of eternity, that hopelessness of every moment that goes by. Right. Not a single, I've not come a single moment closer to getting out of here. Is that just that God would punish someone for eternity for temporary sin? It is. And two reasons. Number one, Time is the wrong premise. We think of paying off your time in hell. Well, time is the wrong premise because that would be works. You'd stand before God and say, look, I paid off my sins. And we can't pay off our sins. We're saved by grace, not by works. So that's number one. It would offend the word of God. It would be contrary to the word of God. And besides, you can never pay for your own sin. Only the shed blood of Jesus can pay for sin. But here's the real reason why it's, it's just. You see, and Thomas Aquinas, he was the greatest theologian of the medieval church. And he said in his book, Summa Theologia, he explained this. This is really a good point. He explained that the higher the position the one sinned against, the graver the sin. In other words, if I lie to you, it would be wrong. But if I lie to the Supreme Court, it would be worse because of their position. If I punch my brother in the stomach, it would be wrong. But if I punch my mother in the stomach, that would be worse because of her position. Right? She's in a higher position. Well, God is infinitely greater in position. Therefore, the punishment is deserved of eternal punishment. But not only is he greater in position, he's greater in being. You know, if I step on a bug and kill it, it's no big deal, even though that's life. But if I kill a dog or a cat, that would be worse, wouldn't it? That's deserving of some kind of punishment. But if I kill a human being, that would be far worse, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And that's deserving of a much greater punishment. Well, we're sinning against a holy, 
eternal, perfect God. So he is infinitely greater in being also. So therefore, it's deserving of an eternal punishment because we sinned against an eternal, perfect God. That is such a good point. That is such an excellent point. And I mean, and it, and it does away with that because, it, like you said, people think of paying off their time and how they go, they, right. they chip rocks with sledgehammer or whatever. That's what people, most people envision. But I, I, I think that it's so important to know who we're offending, right. who we're sinning against. And, and God will not offend his word also. Once he, his word is forever settled in heaven. Psalms 119.89 and Psalms 89.34. He can't change or alter the thing that's gone out of his mouth. And he said in Hebrews 9.22, uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So we're saved by his blood, not by time. He can't offend or go against his word. That's another reason. So why is it that God, once someone dies, why is that it? Why is that final? Why can't someone get saved in hell? Well, because we have to make that decision now while we have that opportunity. See, hell, we'd be being saved by sight. You're saved by faith. All through the Bible, it says that we're saved by faith. And uh, Galatians 3, uh, 6, Galatians 3, 24, uh, Acts 3, 16, many scriptures talk about we're saved by faith alone. Well, in hell, you wouldn't need any faith. You, you see it. So there's no faith required. And God accounts our faith as righteousness. See, Normally, we would have to be perfect to get in heaven. That was, and none of us are perfect. So God considered our trust or faith in what Jesus did as, as if we were righteous. So our faith is considered as righteousness, not time in hell. It's our faith. So someone getting saved in hell, well, sure, they see it. It's easy now to believe, hey, the Bible's right, God's right, there's a real hell. There would be no faith required. The interesting thing that the Deep Dive for Truth team does is we try to the digging for you interesting topics they basically covered what hell is in a couple of visions that are almost identical to what's going on there interesting that demons uh, inside hell are seven to ten to twelve foot creatures and then uh, this guy here he actually said that you know there were some two three four foot creatures it kind of makes you realize uh, the last episode we were talking about the man that was telling about the dumbs, the deep underground military bases, and about humans, work, scientists working with 12-foot alien-slash-beings and other beings there. Interesting, is it connected? Is it that we're all humans are being controlled by demons to do the New World Order's work and the Book of Revelations to make God's word come true? Because it has to. The Deep Dive for Truth team and myself are being moved to help save as many souls as we can the realization of what's out there because of what's coming but very interesting for the sci-fi people that wanted to listen to this but there is faith there is hope there is love and just as a species alone love is important there'd be no more wars there'd be no more illness we find a way to help there'd be no more poverty or starvation we would make sure our brothers and sisters were taken care of and we could actually peacefully sit down and really discuss everything really have our souls and minds exercised god's greatest gifts free will i want to be obedient to god and it was important for me to get this message out i was moved to and i hope people understand that you know no matter what religion you are no matter what faith or non-faith you are things don't work out or if you're running into trouble or if you just feel empty 
your soul is is hurting give them a try if you like this continuation of the digging and the deep dives become a subscriber or a monthly subscriber for a buck a month you can do that that'd be helpful go to our website donate a dollar for the team maybe we can get a coffee we're just trying to continue on but if you become a truth ambassador that would really help us with our movements with our staying ahead of the game and future episodes hey i love y'all remember god family country if you believe in those things you're part of our family This is Big T for the Deep Dive for Truth team. Stay safe. Until the next time, peace. The Deep Dive for Truth team is about digging for the truth. The truth about topics that may or may not be based in reality, but based in the control and manipulation and misguidings of our species by the system. The system that is not for the human species, but for the entitled ones of the human race. If we are going to make a change, We need to do this collectively, using the system against them. Knowledge, resources, species building. We will not be controlled by any government, media, or status group. We will be for you, the human race. We will need your support to tackle this endeavor. We will do this with or without you. But the only way to challenge the system is with everyone's support. There will be connecting topics to show the thread of truth from beginning to the end. Throughout our series, We will be having some fun, hoping that the system may not notice us at all, mainly AI. Hidden in the information, we will remove the blindfold obstructing the truth. That truth will be unveiled to those who really want to know. Everything about the removal of 90% of the human race. Binary code messages play on words within the jokes, the jests, and the possibilities were proposed. Again, this is fiction. The system is watching. You will be informed as to who, what, where, and why the world is the way it is. You'll find out where we are heading and the possibilities of hope and change for our species. The nature of our existence is to gain knowledge. When you follow us to the end, you will become an ambassador of truth. You will be able to spread a warning to our kind. You will be able to spread a message of hope, life, and a future for our species. If you want to follow someone who has been digging deep dives for 35 years and has threaded the needle of truth and who has put the big picture together, then this is for you. Remember, you may not always like what you see, but you will be able to see and sense what is the truth around you. It is time for the Great Awakening.